This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I received an email this week from one of the gyms that I go to, and they said that they are, they are opening back up. And so we're glad for that. And they were telling us all the things that they were doing. And what I realized is that during this time that they'd been shut down, they were prepping for a brand new reality. They are talking about all the things that I wasn't going to have to touch when I went there. But if, maybe if I don't have to touch the weights, that'll be, that'll be good. No, that's not going to help. Here's, the, here's the, the deal, though. They're prepping for the new reality. So I want to talk this, this morning about inward prep, how we can prep for the new reality for the road ahead. We've been doing a series called The Road Ahead. And I want to talk about as we're, as we're moving forward, what are some of the things we can do? Maybe not, and I'm not talking about getting masks and I'm not talking about packing your own lunch. I, I'm really talking about how we can prepare inwardly, how we can inward prep for stronger steps. So let's talk about that today. As we, as we talk about ourselves, when you say inwardly, we are what the Bible calls fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and we really are. We are very complex people. Uh, we're an amazing creation. I know sometimes people like to put us on the same level as animals, but I have a dog and, and, and I, am, I am a higher level animal than that dog. I know it. And yet the Bible says that we're, we're wonderfully made. And so one of the things we understand is that we're a, a, a conglomeration of things from our past and from our genetics. For example, experience. Joy was raised in an Italian a family in Miami. I was raised in a very southern family in North Carolina. When we, when we met, we had culture differences that we had to deal with. So your experience and your, and your background, how you were raised is a part of who you are. Genetics is a part of who you are. Uh, my family adopted my little sister when she was six months old. And during that time, this was years ago, 1961, and the adoptions were closed. And so for years, my sister never found out anything about her family or who her mom was. And a number of years, just a couple of years ago, actually, uh, through the DNA research that's available now, she was able to locate her family. And she found that she has three half-brothers. It's really a neat story. Well, she got to go up and see them. Her mom had passed away. And she was having a meal with one of her brothers, half-brothers. And he looked at her, he said, pardon me for staring. He said, but you are just so much like my mom. He said, you sneeze the same way. Some of your mannerisms are the same. And even though they grew up far apart, genetics certainly had a play into who my sister is. You know, the Bible talks about who we are. And it talks about us from being a spirit and a soul and a body. We're, we're made up of three parts. And the Bible actually emphasizes the spirit of man, the soul, the inner man. In fact, it, it will contrast the outer man and the inward man. And the scriptures put a lot of emphasis on who we are on the inside. And it, it tells us that our heart is the key. Now, I know, I know a lot of times that science and psychology tells us body and mind, but there's a spirit to man. In fact, in Proverbs, the fourth chapter, Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever lived, he wrote this. He said, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. He's saying that your, your heart is to receive top priority, that your heart is the concern. I was thinking about guarding your heart and, and the best analogy that I can really come up with is how some people guard very, very closely what they eat. 
If you're a vegan, you guard very closely what you eat. If you're on a keto diet, you have to watch what you eat. If you're a bodybuilder, you know, bodybuilders, when they're, especially when they're training and getting ready to, uh, to do a, a show, man, they have to be so amazingly careful about what they eat and how, how stringent, what they put in their body because they realize that what they put in them is going to affect them. We have a friend that said that her husband, when he was training for a show, used to put Diet Coke and tuna in a blender and drink it. Whoa. But very conscious of what they put in. And yet the Bible says, guard your heart. In fact, it says above all else, guard your heart. And so by guarding our heart, we have to guard really what we think about, what we, what we put into our inner man, what we put in our inner life, what we hear, what we focus on. Boy, that can have a big impact on us. So I want to give you some things today that will help us as we prepare to get stronger on the inside. Because as we get stronger on the inside, it makes it so much better for the road ahead. We have challenges that we're facing ahead. But as we're stronger on the inside, we have the ability to do it. I want to give you a story from the Bible, from the Old Testament about a man named Gideon. He lived right after the time that Israel had moved into their promised land. Uh, There were no kings there. There were only judges. And the nation of Israel had gone away from God. And they'd gone so far away from God, they got in trouble. And the uh, country... By, by the name of Midian, there's a group of people that were just dominating them. And so when we find this man, Gideon, we find out that he has problems on the outside and problems on the inside. He's got some negative situations. Let's read his story here. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, O oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan or my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I'll be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he, Gideon, said to him, the angel, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Gideon was in an external situation that was extremely negative. For seven years, you know, we've been in this COVID shutdown for months. Seven years, they had been oppressed by this nation of Midian, and they would come in and they would dominate them and steal their stuff. And man, it just caused so much economic turmoil in their life. It was a very difficult time. Seven years with the losing record. Seven years where if you're continually losing, and, and those of you who've ever, if you've ever been on a losing team or part of a losing team, it is so easy when you've been losing year after year after year, you just develop a losing culture. You're expecting to lose again in the future. And here's Gideon. He's a man that, and I think it's so unique, he's hiding. So he's acknowledging. He's scared. He believed the Midianites are stronger. They're the oppressor. He's afraid. 
and he's hiding from them. What encourages me is, is that God would send his angel to a man who was hiding. Not a man who was trying to rally the troops and is a brave John Wayne kind of guy. He is sending him to a guy who's hiding away. He's got external problems, but those weren't his only problems. Gideon has some internal problems as well. And Gideon's internal problems is, for the first thing is, he, he is really carrying around a very negative view of God. We could determine that by listening to how he responds to the angel. He said, the Lord is with you. And the first thing he says is, if, if God was with us, then why, why, why is all this stuff happening to us? If God, and he, then he goes on. I mean, he goes on a rant. He said, God's not with us. If God was with us, where are all the miracles? I don't see any miracles. If God's with us, then, then why are we dealing with all this stuff? In fact, he said, God's not with us. He said, God has abandoned us. So he's got a really, he's got a negative view about, he is not happy about God. God has left them and abandoned them and he is upset about it. But he doesn't stop there. He's, he's carried around a negative view of himself. Man, this brother's bogged down. Because when the angel says some good things to him, he says, mighty man of valor. Mighty, what? Mighty man of valor. At least Gideon could have said, whoa, whoa. Tell me about that mighty man of valor. He didn't even, he ignored everything good that the angel said. You know, it's interesting. If you've carried around a negative view of yourself, even when somebody brings you something that's exciting and good and from God, it's easy to ignore it. So here he is. He's ignoring it and just, and then he talks about himself. He said, no, I, I can't do this. He said, I am weak and my family's weak. Man, we, we, man we've got no status and I'm the weakest. In my, he basically said, I am weak and insignificant and I can't do this. He did one smart thing though. He said, but if it's you, if it's really you, God, that's talking to me, show me a sign. So the angel said, well, you go bring some meat and some bread and bring it back here. And Gideon went and did that. Let's pick up and see what happened. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Gideon, they put it on a rock. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. And to this day, it's still an Ophrah of the Abazarites. You know, I, as, as you read this, Gideon makes a really big first step. Now here's, here's the first thing where we see Gideon beginning to make the inward change that's going to help him face the road ahead. What he, what he does, first, he's carrying this idea that God wanted to kill him. I don't know where he got that idea. You know, he might have, maybe he was taught that. Maybe people in his family disbelieved that, you know, if you didn't do the right thing, that God would kill you. If you didn't do the right thing, that God was just looking to get you and God's going to get you for that. So he, he thought he was going to die. In fact, he said, alas, Oh, Lord God, that's, you know, that's probably an earlier version of OMG. But he, he went, alas, you know, I, I'm, I've seen an angel face to face. You know, the, I'm going to, you know, he's thinking I'm going to die. 
You know, again, Gideon's not thinking because if the angel wanted to kill him, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have gone through all that, telling him all that good news. I mean, again, you can see where Gideon's got a lot of things going on internally. But then God's so good. God knows exactly where Gideon is. He knows where we are. And he comforts him. And he speaks to him and he says, peace be to you, you're not, you're not going to die. And Gideon had a revelation. Gideon had a revelation that he would begin to build into his life. And we'll see later on in his life, not today, but we'll see later on that Gideon, some of the things that he did were based on that first foundation that God is peace. Call him Jehovah Shalom. And he got a revelation that God was not trying to kill him. That God was trying to help him. That God was not his adversary. That God was his solution. God is peace. And he built an altar there back in the Old Testament. Oftentimes when they had a revelation or a a visitation for God, when God became real to them in some area, they would often build an altar. And it was a reminder where they could look and point at that altar and go, that's where God revealed himself. God is peace. And they would protect those altars. They were solid. And it, was, it became solid in his life. Short little story about Gideon, but it gives us some outstanding principles that we can begin to look at and can begin to put into our life. You know, the thing, here's one of the most, to me, one of the most beautiful things about Christianity is our ability to have a relationship with God, to be at peace with him. And then also our ability to change. That we're not stuck. And maybe you feel like you are, but you're not stuck. We have the ability to grow and evolve. Even, I don't care if you're 70, 80, 90 years old, you can still change, inward change. But let's see how to make some inward preparations for stronger steps in the days ahead. Here's the first one. I think it's good that we honestly assess where we are. We have to assess where we are. And here's a good question. Are we hiding or are we rejoicing? Let me explain that just for a bit. If you ever go to a mall or a new mall, maybe the airport, you're in a large place. If you're looking around, you, you, you get, you're going, where is this store? I don't even know where this store is. So you find one of those maps they've got. Now those maps are good and they'll show you the whole store and you can go, okay, that, that's where I need to go. But one of the most important things you need to find out is where am I now? So I love those little maps they have. You are here. If you don't know where you are, you don't know really where where you're going to go. You could wander. It's good to know where we are. And it's good to honestly assess, where are you? Are you, are you hiding? Are you procrastinating? Listen, we put off what we don't want to deal with. It's things that are a hassle. We put that off, but we hide from things we think we can't handle. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you, you're, not, you're not dealing with a problem, you're hiding from a problem? Concerning the challenges that we're facing, are we, are we hiding or are we rejoicing? I haven't had one in a long time, but years and years and years ago, I used to have nightmares. I hate nightmares. Some of them are so real. And sometimes I would, I would wake up and I would have a bad nightmare and almost just involuntarily, you, know, you would take the covers and pull them up like over your face. Why? That sheet is not going to protect you from the boogeyman that you just had the nightmare about. But there's a sense of, I need to hide. And so oftentimes when we're facing challenges that we feel like we can't handle, we tend to hide from them. But you have to recognize that. And you have to say, okay, I got to be real with that. Because here's where we want to get to. 
the areas that you know you can handle, you can rejoice about them. A number of years ago, the Lord shared just a little snippet of a scripture. It's amazing how God's word can come alive in you just a little bit. Look at this verse. This is the second part of a psalm. It says, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Do you realize that if you're strong and you feel like you can do something, you've got a much better attitude about it? You're rejoicing. You're like, oh, I, can, I can do this. There are some things that I, I know I cannot do well, but there are some things I can do well. And when I hit those things, I'm like, oh, yeah. I can handle this. Listen, where we want to get to is regardless of what we're facing, there's an inward strength on the inside of us that says, I can handle this. Whatever's up ahead, I can handle it. And if you're not there right now, don't be discouraged because that's a great place to pray. Lord, help me, strengthen me so I can get stronger to handle the challenges. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with your job. Maybe it's with your health. There's so many things. Maybe it's just navigating some of the relationships around us and you're thinking, I'm just going to, I'm going to stay in quarantine for the rest of my life. Don't do that. Ask the Lord to help you and he can strengthen you so that you face the future with some confidence. So that's one thing you can do. You have to honestly, though, you got to be honest with yourself, honestly assess, where am I? Am I hiding or am I, am I rejoicing? Here's the, here's the next one we have to ask. Who are we? Who, who really are we? Now you're thinking, well, that's already a settled subject. No, no, it's not a settled subject. It is subject to change. Now, I can't change my experience. I can't change how I was raised. I can't change my genetics. And all of us, you, me, but all of us have our weak areas. But here's the key. This is not the area that we focus on. This is not the area that we, that we tune into. We have to say, okay, I got this. This is part of my life, but this is not going to define my life and who I am in the future. Because you know, when God sent that angel to Gideon, he called Gideon something that was not evident in Gideon's life. He says, mighty man of valor. Gideon did not look like a man who was mighty, a valorous. He, he, did, he did not look strong at all. He looked like a guy who was an average guy who's hiding. But the angel brought a message from the one who has a perspective like nobody else. And he knew exactly what Gideon would become. So he called him a mighty man of valor. A friend of mine said something years ago that has always rung true. He said, it's not the people you believe in that make the biggest difference in your life. It's the people that believe in you. It's the ones who see something in you, maybe that you don't even see. A number of years ago, when I, was growing, when I was growing up, one of the challenges I had was in the third grade, I started wearing glasses. And back in the 60s in the third grade, the glasses they had were goofy looking glasses. No one, they weren't cool. And I, I wore glasses for years. And, and I, I really began to develop a little bit of a complex. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't considered attractive. I wasn't popular. I liked girls. They didn't like me. In fact, Joy saw one of my pictures when we got married. She saw one of my pictures from the seventh grade and she looked up at me. She went, oh, honey, it, it was just <laughs> this. You could tell my wife who loves me just pitied me. She's probably also thinking it's a good thing I didn't meet him back then. So it was it was a difficult thing in my life. I can remember almost sleeping on a church bus. They thought I was sleeping 
and I heard girls talk about me. And they were saying, oh, he's a nice guy, but his nose is so big and his throat looks funny. And, you know, my nose had a growth spurt. Took a long time for the rest of my face to catch up. But as I was, as I was coming up, I was pretty insecure and, and I felt that rejection. Even, listen, even my mother, my sweet Southern Belle mother, sat on the edge of my bed one, one day and told me, she said, well, darling, she goes, great Southern Georgia accent. She said, well, darling, if you don't have looks, manners will take you a long way. Try that for a book title. If you, if you don't look good, manners will take... No, no, listen. So you can understand, I'm a hurting little guy. I'm 15 years old. So I come out of the house one day and my cousin, my mom's cousin is there. Her name is Kay. And Kay was a little bit younger than my mom. Kay, Kay was just real bright. Kay was really cool. And Kay hadn't seen me in a, a number of years. And I'm 15 years old. And I walk out of the, the house. I'm standing on the step. I can, t- I can still tell you exactly where I was standing. And she looked up at me and she said, Alan, she gave me a hug. And then she looked right over at my mom and very sincerely, she said, he's going to be real good looking. Now, the woman was not legally blind. She could see perfectly. And if you're thinking, whoa, hey, she did not say he's a stand-in for Robert Redford or Brad Pitt. That's not what she was saying. But when she said that and she was sincere, those words brought hope and they brought life to me. Hey, maybe it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be that bad. Maybe I was going to turn out okay. And I, I, I still love my cousin Kay for that. She doesn't even realize how much that blessed an insecure 15 year old boy that someone would see something more in them than I saw. And maybe even other people saw around me. She saw something more. Hey, listen, see why I never turned out to be the best looking guy, but I was good enough to, to get joy. So props to me and hallelujah to the Lord. So here's my point. When God talks about us, he often says things that are not evident in our life. You say, well, how does God talk to me? He doesn't send an angel. Yeah, but the scriptures tell us exactly what God thinks about us and actually who we are because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible said he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. I don't understand all how that looks, but I do know that anyone is in Christ. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Jesus talked about someone is born anew, born of the spirit. So spiritually, I have changed. Spiritually, if you've made Jesus your Lord, you have changed and you're different. And so when the Bible begins to talk about us, it talks about us and it's almost like the angel talking to Gideon. I'm going to give you a great scripture found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Whatever is born of God. If anyone is born of God, listen, if you're, if you're a new creation in Christ, you've made Jesus your Lord, you're born of God. And so God looks at you and said, that person right there who belongs to the Lord is a world overcomer. Overcomes all the negativity, overcomes all the junk, overcomes all the pressure, overcomes everything that's in the world. You are, if you belong to Jesus, a world overcomer. It may not be evident in your life, but we need to be smarter than Gideon instead of going, I don't see it, God. We just need to say, Lord, if that's what you say I am, then praise God, that's what I am. This is the victory. We have to mix faith with that and go, if that's what God says, then that's who I am. See, 
The great news is, I don't care where you've been or what you've done, you can begin to redefine your future by simply focusing in on what God says about you. Better than the words of an angel. These are words that we can take to heart. Here's the last one. We've talked about where are you? Who are you? And then the last one is this. Who is God to you? Who is God? When Gideon had a revelation, he built an altar there that God was peace. And so one, so every time he'd go past that altar, he'd point and go, yeah, God's peace. God, God, God is, or he's for me. He got a revelation of that. Now, here's a great question. Who is God to you? I really believe many, many people out there have had a revelation that God is Savior. They've received Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they have built an altar, so to speak, in their lives that said, I know that I am born again. I know that I'm saved. I know when I die, I know exactly where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with him. He is the Savior of my life, and that is the most important altar you'll ever build. God had that revelation that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, who saves us from our sins. That's a good one. But can I, can I tell you a little bit more? That's not the only one he is. He's not only Savior. But we found out, and Joy and I found out in our life, he's a healer. He's a provider. He's a helper. He's a counselor. He's a strengthener. There's so, he is so much more. He's not just heaven when I die. He's help for life now. And you can build an altar that says, Lord, this is, this is the revelation I have. This is who you are to me. The psalmist David was a master at this. He said in the Psalms, he said, God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Joy and I have talked about that for years. Sometimes when we have not known what to do about a situation and we're thinking, Lord, what should we be believing in this? And I've heard Joy go, I, I, I don't know what to believe. I said, here's what we can always believe, that God will help us. And so oftentimes we'll just say, the Lord is helping us. We may not know what to do, but we're saying the Lord is helping us. He's a refuge. He's our strength. And he's a very present help in trouble. He's not far away. He's close by. So what are we saying? If you, if you begin to analyze where we are, and if you're not at a good place, if you're not at a rejoicing place, that's a great place to start talking to the Lord about, Lord, I need to get stronger to face the challenges I have ahead. Then we can also begin to define ourselves, not by our past, not by our genetics, but we can define ourselves by what God says about us. Now, this is intentional, and this is something you can do. We can do this for the rest of our lives. We can always be growing in this. And then the last one is something we always could be growing in, who God is to us. He realized we'll never exhaust that. The Bible said he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Isn't that good? So that gives me the help, the inner, some of the inner preparations that I need to take strong steps as we face some of the difficulties of our new reality that we're living in today. But God's with us. He's our ever-present help in a time of trouble. Hey, listen, let me talk to you just real quickly. If you've never built that first altar. If you've never had that relationship with the Lord where you said, Jesus, I, I want to receive you as the Lord and Savior of my life, or maybe you've done that and gotten away from God, then I want to say a prayer with you today. You can click the button that, and tell us that you prayed, or you can acknowledge, I, I raised my hand. You want to acknowledge that. When you acknowledge it, it does something for you. But I want to pray with you. 
And we're going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to lead you in it, but you pray it. Pray it out loud if you're in a place where you can do that. It, it will help you, but I'll lead you in it. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Let me pray for the, for the rest of you. Heavenly Father, let me, I pray for those who know you, those who know your goodness, those, Father, who've walked with you. I thank you for them, that they are exactly who you say they are, that they have exactly what you say they have, and they can do exactly what you say that they can do. Father, I'm grateful for your strengthening power. Thank you for the strengthening ability of the Holy Spirit to help us face the days ahead, not hiding, but rejoicing. And we'll give you all the praise for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.